Okay, we are in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at verse 18. So again, chronological life of Jesus. This is what happens next in his life. He came to Jerusalem for the, the Passover. Uh, this, is, this is one year into his ministry. This is the second Passover that we're seeing him in. He started his ministry just just in front of one Passover. Now this is the next one, so it's <clears throat> just about one year that he's been ministering. Verse 18, John 5.18 For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Therefore, <clears throat> therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. And the Father will show Him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly I say to you, He who hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. Okay, this is the second of the discourses that that John goes through. And uh, uh, we see now that what Jesus is saying, we had talked about last week, how in verse 18, it says that the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but also he was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. The firstborn son was equal to the Father. And, and so when he said, he called God his Father, the implication to the Jew was that he is claiming to be equal with God. So that was, that, that was well understood within their mindset. And Jesus says, truly, truly, in verse 19, I say to you, he's saying, listen to this, listen to this. He's saying, I'm I'm telling you something really important here. Truly, truly. Really important. Listen up. You know, when I'm I'm teaching, sometimes I like to stop and pause. And look. Because then everybody, you you know, a pause grabs people's attention. What's going on there? Has he had a heart attack or something? Where is he? What's going on? Jesus said, truly, truly. He's getting our attention. Truly, truly, I say to you. The Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. It would do us well to learn to follow the model of those in Scripture. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And to follow the the model of godly men. Jesus goes on to say, He says, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. And the Father will show Him greater works than these so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. Jesus was emulating the Father. 
Jesus carried out the works on earth that He saw the Father doing, that He had seen the Father doing from eternity they had been together. Jesus was God's manifestation on earth and said, I just do what I've always been doing in heaven. What I see my Father do, I do. I tell you, every good habit that I have in my life, I have learned from godly men. The habit that I have of rising early in the morning to spend time in prayer. The habit that I have of of the pattern by which I read the Scriptures from beginning to end. The habit that I have in these ways, uh, uh, the intentionality that I have in, in sharing my faith, in speaking to people, I have learned from godly men. It would do you well to get godly people in your life and follow their example. Jesus says, I follow the example of my Father. This is what I do. He says, uh, God is doing works, and He says in verse 20, He's going to show, and, and the Father will show Him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. So in other words, Jesus is attributing even to the works that Jesus is doing on earth, that they are seeing and marveling, Jesus is attributing these works to the Father. He's attributing these to the Father. And it would also do us well that when God uses us to learn to give glory to our Father who is in heaven, that that we give glory to God. Because it's really easy to do something in a few ways. You know, I've, I've come a long way. Look what I've done. And remember what the Scriptures say, pride goes before a fall that it would be good for us to remember, to say, thank God, thank God. You will do a great work sometimes, and people will come and say, you know, that meant a lot to me. What you did, that was great. You know, what you did in my son's life, what you did in my daughter's life, what you did in, in, you know, that was really great. Just, you know, you don't have to go blowing a trumpet or something. Just quietly in your own heart, just say, Father, thank you. Father, thank you, what you did through my life. Thank you, what you did. This is what Jesus said. The Father is doing these things You were seeing them through my hand, and you were marveling. Then he goes even further. He says, says, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He wishes. So Jesus says, I am just doing what I see my Father doing. He says, my Father heals, I heal. And in fact, my Father can raise the dead, and I can raise the dead. Now, remember what bothered them? That He was breaking the Sabbath, not the laws of Moses, but their human-made, their what they called the oral law, the Mishnaic law. That's what bothered them. And then the second thing that bothered them is that he was making himself out to be one with God. This is what really bothered them. So Jesus is displaying to them that, okay, you, you think I'm one with God? Indeed I am. Here I am doing exactly what the Father does to the point of raising the dead. Now, it was understood that only God could raise the dead. Only God could raise the dead. Jesus says, I can raise the dead. That's what he's saying. He says, you, you, you want to see making myself equal to God? Here, my Father raises the dead, so do I. Verse 22, for not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. So, it is well understood, understood that God is the judge. Jesus said, God has turned over all judgment to the Son. Turned over all to the Son. So, this thing that is bothering them, that he's making himself equal to God, he doesn't say, oh, so sorry for offending you. He said, well, let me clarify this. I'm doing exactly what my Father does to the point of doing miracles, to the point of raising the dead, to the point of all judgment being mine. Verse 23. 
so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. So remember, there must be an honor for the Son of God. There must be an honor for the Son of God. When we honor the Son, we honor the Father. When you honor somebody's child, you honor them. You want to get on somebody's good side? You want to do something nice for somebody? Do something nice for their child. And they will like you all the more. Do something nice for their child. They will like you all the more. This is what Jesus is saying. If you honor the Son, you will honor the Father. When you do these things for the Son, you do them to the Father. Verse 24, Truly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life. Truly, truly. So again, he's saying, pay attention, pay attention. This is really important. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You want to know who has eternal life? The one who hears his word has eternal life. He doesn't even come into judgment, but he is passed out of death into life. This is the difference in the life of the believer. What happens to the believer? Do they come to this white throne judgment where they're going to be judged along with the world? The Bible says no. We pass out of death into life. As soon as you die, you are in the presence of the Lord. Your body is not, but your spirit is. That which constitutes you within That will always be with God. If you are a believer, you are always with God. But look at what the requirements are. The requirement is that we believe that you, you, you hear His Word, that you hear the Word of Jesus, that you believe Him who sent me. That means we believe the Father. So we have to hear the words of Jesus and believe the Father. It is not everybody who gets to heaven. I know who can get to heaven. I know, because I know what the requirements are. The requirements are here. That we listen to the voice of Jesus and we believe in what the Father said. In, in, uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 8 and 9, it says that we must believe, we, we must confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead and we shall be saved. It's very specific. It says that if we believe in our heart, that He's raised from the dead, if we're willing to confess Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. This is the folks that go to heaven. What's interesting about that, it doesn't say, and he who doesn't, won't. It doesn't say that. It just says, who will get to heaven? It doesn't define in that statement, who doesn't get to heaven. Now some people say, well, and he who doesn't, won't. But it doesn't say that. What it says is, specifically tells us who's getting into heaven. It doesn't tell us who's not. I have no idea who's not getting into heaven. I have a pretty good idea who is. If I could talk with them for a while and see what, 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 what they believe, but as to who's not getting into heaven, we don't know. This is in God's hands. I can't make a judgment on that. I was sitting in a barbershop once, and a woman who was cutting my hair, there's some guy, famous guy, I forget who it was, he had died, and... and, and uh, uh, they were talking about it on the TV, and she turns to me, she says, I bet he's rotten in hell right now. I said, I have no idea who's in hell. I have no idea. I don't know who's in hell. 
You know, she just got kind of taken aback by, the, by that statement. I have no idea. We don't have a prescription for that. We have a prescription for who does get into heaven. And Jesus says this, and He says that, that um, uh, He doesn't come into judgment, but He's passed out of death into life. Then He says in verse 25, Truly, truly. So again, he's saying, attention, attention. It's just one after another. He says, these are important things. I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So an hour is coming, and now is. So there is an hour upon us, when the dead hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it will live. This is the gospel message. Jesus is able to take us out of death and into life. On November 7th, 1977, when I gave my heart to the Lord, something happened to me on that day. There was a difference that day. I didn't want to get up from before the Lord because I was before God and I asked God to forgive me and come into my life and forgive me of my sins. And when that happened, when I did that, it was as if, This presence came and I was forgiven. I was clean. Something happened to me on that day. Now, not everybody can claim a particular day because some people grow into this. But if you are not sure about it, I can tell you how to solve that. You get alone before God and you say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Forgive me and come into my life. You ask God to forgive you and to come into your life. And you say, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. In Romans 10.9, it puts upon us the requirement that we believe that He's risen from the dead. And if you do not believe that, ask God to help you to believe because no thinking individual could ever believe that on his or her own. It's a miracle, the way Jesus rose from the dead. You can't be a thinking individual and think that people just rise from the dead all the time. This happens because God goes within the heart of a person and speaks to their hearts. You pray to God and He will do it. God has given the people the ability to believe this because it's true. And the Holy Spirit works on people's lives and draws them. You pray and God will do this in your life. But he says, a day has come when you will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. You can live from this day. Now what happens sometimes is people think that they've they've been born in a Christian family, so they're Christian. That is a lie. That is not true. People are born again into being believers. If you're born in a barn, it doesn't make you a horse. If you're born in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. If you're born in a Christian home, it doesn't make you a Christian. It is a rebirth. It is something that has to be done. It is some event separate from the birth event, the the physical birth event. It is something that happens. Now, my children don't even remember the day that they were saved. They just, just grew into it. But I checked them again and again and again. And when I were able to say, yes, Jesus is Lord, I believe that. I wrote that down. Now, I don't know if that was the exact moment that it had happened. But that was the moment that I wrote down for them. Some people grow into this. But Jesus said, this is going to happen. Now, he may also be speaking of the resurrection, the physical resurrection of the believer. But that we're going to see for sure later on in the same passage. Now in verse 26, For just as the Father has life in Himself, even so 
He gave the Son also to have life in Himself. And He gave Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and will come forth, those who, do, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. And in fact, that word deed that I just said is not in the actual text. In, in the New American Standard, it's italicized, so you not, know it's not there. It says, literally it says this, those who did the good to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil to a resurrection of judgment. So he says in verse 28, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming. So he says an hour is coming. He doesn't say an hour is coming and now is. You see, in the former one, you could hear the word of the Son of God and have life. He said, an hour is coming and now is. Here, for this, he said, an hour is coming. It's not yet happened. He doesn't say, and it now is. You see the difference? Do you think that this is meaningless? Or do you think that Jesus meant what he said? That he knew what he was saying? It is not meaningless. He says, an hour is coming. It has not yet come. But an hour is coming. He says, um, in which all who are in the tombs will hear His voice. All who are in the tombs. In other words, those who are in the graves will hear His voice. This is a different coming. All who are in the grave will hear His voice. It doesn't say the good people, the bad people, the Christians, the non-Christians, the Jews. All, everyone, everyone who are in the tombs will hear His voice. And will come forth. Everyone will be raised from the dead. Those who did the good to a resurrection of life. Those who committed evil to a resurrection of of judgment. Well, what is the good? What is the evil? He said it back up in verse 24. I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. That is the good. The scriptures clearly tell us that we are not saved based on our good works. We are not. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, makes this clear. Many religions say if your good outweighs your bad, you get into heaven. Jesus never said that. The Bible never teaches that. That is a gross falsehood. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may may boast. Could he have said it any more clearly? Could he have said it any more clearly? He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is not our works that get us into heaven. It is based upon faith. It is based upon faith. And as it says in James, and we studied James, we finished James last year, but in James chapter 2 it says, I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, my works bear testimony of my faith. My faith comes first, then works follow those. Because of my faith in Christ, I do good works. That's not to say that a person has to have faith in Christ to do good works. That's not the case. But as believers, there's an outworking of works that happens because of faith. I will show you my faith by my works. So faith is presupposed and works follow. That's what James is saying. What he's saying here in John, again, the good work, the good that we do is we believe his word. 
When we believe His Word, then these things happen. When we believe His Word, then these things happen. We are carried from death into life. So everybody will raise from the dead. Everybody. You say, well, what if the body has just been eaten by worms and there's nothing there? Remember, the atoms remain. Right? The molecules may change. You could cremate somebody and all that carbon that that was in the form of protein will go into CO2. So the molecules have changed, but the carbon remains the same. The carbon is still there. Alright? The oxygen atoms are still there. The nitrogen atoms are still there. God put us together one time. He'll put us together again. He has no problem with this. He can just call atoms forth and they're there. You know, they... They self-assemble into molecules and they self-assemble into cells and higher order structure and here we are. He does this. God did it before. He can do it again. So I'm not worried about that. He will call us forth. He will do this. He will do this. And, and, and look what he says. He, he says in, in this portion, he says that, that um, in verse 30, I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear I judge. My judgment is just. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. When we seek the will of Him who sent, sent us, we do much, much better. John, Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 15, so the same book, John, in John chapter 15, Jesus says in verse, um, in verse 10, John chapter 15, verse 10. This is really important. If you want to have a happy life, this is how to have a happy life. Right? Do you want to have a happy life? How many people want to have a miserable life? Nobody wants to have a miserable life. How many people want to have a happy life? Okay, now you can raise your hand, right. Here's how you have a happy life. If, John 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. And up in verse 9, it says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. And how do we keep His joy? He says, you keep my commandments. When you keep the commandments of God, you will have joy in your life. There is this feeling that if I just have freedom, if I can do whatever I want, then I will be happy. Just let me out. Let me free. Then I'll be happy. That's wrong. You won't be happy that way. Do whatever your heart wishes to do, and you will have a very miserable life. Alright? I'll give you an example. A man will sleep around every night with a different woman. If that's, if he has great freedom. And he will have a miserable life. How do I know? Just look at the people that do it. Their lives are utterly miserable. Utterly miserable. And in their hearts, they long for the stability that a man has when he has a wife that he loves and children that he loves. Just let me free. Let me out of here. Well, why is it that we all live in homes? Why live in a little box? Why live in this, you know, these four walls around me and this roof over my head? I like living in this little box. No, open the door. You're free. You can go. You can go wherever you want. Go to Las Vegas. And then the next day, go to Atlantic City. Go, 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 go anywhere you want to go. You're free. No, I want to live in that box. That, to me, is freedom. You see what I mean? There is, there is an area in which we are very secure. 
And Jesus is saying, if you keep my commandments, you're going to abide in my love and you're going to have real joy. There are parameters that will keep you very happy. When you first go busting out of the house, you may think, finally, I'm free, I'm so happy. Let me tell you, a few weeks away, and you'd be like, well, I wish I could go back home. It was so much more comfortable there. Same thing happens with animals. You open the cages and zoos and stuff, animals may go out and wander, but they, they come back. They want to come back. This is where food is. This is where security is. They've checked these things out. That You, you know, they have these, these big lands in Africa, and they'll have these, these enclosed areas, and they'll open them up. Well, in the enclosed area, it's very safe, and food is provided for them. And they're cared for, and there aren't lions eating them up all the time. They might go out and wander, but they come back. You think everything wants freedom? No, we want these confines. Jesus knows that within the confines of His love and His commandments, there is joy. There is joy in this. You take the man with one wife and the wife with one husband. They have children. They have a home. They have these four walls. They feel very free and they feel very content. And so you take the man who's running out and running all over after a while, it's it doesn't fulfill, and so you have to get high and get on drugs and all these other things to start satisfying. Jesus knows what brings happiness. What brought happiness to Jesus was to obey His Father's commandments. He says, I'm not doing my own will. I want to do the will of my Father. And Jesus looks like a pretty content individual. Jesus says right here, your contentment, your joy will be within the confines of my commandment. Abide in my love. His love doesn't change. But when I step outside of His commandments, I'm not abiding in His love. My joy will go and go very, very quickly. I want my little box. I want my little place. Because in that there is security. This is where people are happy. This is where creatures are happy. In this place of security. And then he speaks in, 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 in this portion in John, he's speaking of the physical resurrection, a physical resurrection from the dead. Say, how can this be? It takes place. It does happen. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is the most important message of the gospel. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says this is the most important thing is the resurrection, the fact of Christ's resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So in other words, there is a way to believe that's in vain. There is a vain way to believe. In other words, a way to believe that will profit you nothing. Well, what's that? Well, read on. For I delivered to you as the first importance. So this is the most important thing in the gospel. I delivered to you as the first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the most important message of the gospel. That he died, he was buried, and he rose again. You want to know the fundamentals of the gospel? The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so then he goes on and he says, he says uh, in verse 17 of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. So there it is. He says your faith is worthless. So you want to understand what vanity is? 
is to say we are Christians, but we don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, your faith then is worthless. I'm not saying that. I have no authority to say that. This is the Apostle Paul is teaching. And he says, our faith is worthless if there is no physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the message of the Gospel. But then there's also the resurrection of the believer. If you turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. So you've got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. And then following that is Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Um, Verse 13. But we do not... 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. Okay, so remember what sleep means. Always in the New Testament, sleep means the death of the believer. So when a believing person dies, Jesus himself doesn't generally call this death. He says, Lazarus is asleep. Or the girl is asleep. She's not dead, she's asleep. And the people laughed at him, saying, oh, she's dead. No, Jesus calls believers who die, he doesn't refer to them as dead. He refers to them primarily as asleep. Same with, with the apostles. So, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words." Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. This is what you use to comfort those who are grieving who have lost loved ones. Use this scripture to comfort them. This is for our comfort. He says that we are to take, we are to understand that in verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. In other words, Jesus, when He returns, He's going to be coming. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who have gone will rise from the tombs first. The very same thing it said in John, that they're going to hear the voice of the Son of God, and they're going to come out of the tombs, it says right here, the same thing. He says that that, uh, uh, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Jesus is going to call them forth. Rise! He's going to say, He's going to... Shout forth, and they're going to come forth. He says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who have not yet died, those who are living on earth, will then rise and meet them in the air. And we're all going to meet the Lord together in the air. This is the promise of the physical resurrection. What Paul is teaching. Paul says, that, that where, where did Paul get this idea? Where, where, who taught him this? He says, um, um, that he is teaching, that he... he Paul himself is teaching this to us. This is part of what he had received when the Lord taught him. He says, he says that, um, he, that the Lord will come, the Lord will speak forth these things, and they will rise. So in other words, we will forever be 
We will forever be with other believers. Our spirit will immediately go to be with God upon our death. A physical resurrection will take place. It says their physical body will join their spirit in the air. The two will be joined. Those who are alive in Christ will also meet in the air and we will forever be with the Lord. We will never be separated from Him. This is the promise that it talks about in Scripture. In John, back in John chapter 11, you know, this is the verse that I've sent to so many people when I hear about, you, you, know, some, you know, some person in the university has passed away or something. I will send this verse to them. John 11, verse 25. John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And he, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asks the question, do you believe this? So here's the full quote. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Close quote. Jesus is asking the question, do you believe? Do you believe? Jesus is the one that gives life. And I'm telling you, this verse, this verse comforts people so much. I mean, I've sent this to, to football coaches, you know, pro coaches around the country. You just I'll hear about the death of, of, a, of some coach's father, some coach's wife, or somebody's relative. And I will just copy this verse into an email and send it to them. And just, you know, what it does, they say, wow, this is where I am. This so encourages me. So encourages me. There was this big program manager at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and I didn't even know her very well. And she had told her secretary to send to Jim uh, uh, the notice that her husband has passed away. Well, her secretary sent it to me because my name is Jim, but I'm not the Jim she meant. I didn't know her that well. I had only met her once. She had a friend of hers, which was a much closer Jim, but her secretary sent it to me. Well, I sent this back to the program manager. And the program manager said she was floored because she had never meant to send to me something so personal of the death of her husband because I didn't know her that well. But that verse just really spoke to her. Jesus said, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. In other words, I've told my kids this. I said, someday you may lay me in the, in the ground. But remember, I'm not there. I'm very much alive. We will forever be with the Lord. Forever with the Lord. You have a loved one who knows the Lord and they have gone on. They are forever with the Lord. This is the promise of Jesus. As we read in 1 Thessalonians, just as Christ has been raised from the dead, you believe Jesus is raised from the dead? He says, take hold of this. You shall rise also. You shall rise also. The same thing. And the, the end of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about the resurrection, not just of Jesus, but also of the believer. In John, it tells us of two resurrections. The resurrection of those who believe... They're going to go to Jesus. The resurrection of those who have done the evil work of not believing, or the evil of not believing, they too will be raised, it says. There will be resurrection also of the unbeliever. But where do they go? They go to the white throne judgment. They go to the white throne judgment. 
But what we have in Christ is sure. It is a resurrection. And this is what Jesus said. A day is coming when they will hear the voice of the Son of God, those who are in the tombs, and they will rise. This is the resurrection. Jesus said, you want to see if I'm equal with God? Let me show you what else I can do. The physical resurrection is going to take place at my command. And that's what it says in, 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 in 1 Thessalonians. He's going to come down and he's going to shout with his shout, the dead in Christ shall rise. There will be this spontaneous self-assembly of all these, these people and they will rise up. And they will rise up and the people who are still living on earth are going to see that and then they will rise up too. Because it says that they will go first and then those who are alive will follow and we will all be together with Him in the air. That is going to be a glorious day. That is going to be a glorious day. This is the truth of the Gospel. This verse, when you lose a loved one, you remember this verse. If they knew the Lord... They are not dead. They are very much alive. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the truth of Your Word. And I pray, O God, that You would so drill this down to our hearts. Father, if there be some here that do not know You, Father, I pray that they would ask You to forgive them and that You would come into their lives Father, that they would ask you, they would say, Father, forgive me for my sins and come into my life. And they would so experience what it is to have Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit move into their lives. Father, save their souls, I pray. Father, if we come here week after week and just preach without preaching the gospel, shame on us. Father, let your word go forth and touch their hearts, I pray. And Lord, I thank you for the truth of the resurrection that you said that those who are in the tombs will rise up. Lord Jesus, you said that, so it must be true. And then we are told again and again the details of how that will happen. Father, thank you that there will be a resurrection and that if we know you, we will forever be with you. There will never be a time that we will ever be without you. Thank you, Lord, that we will forever be with you. Because he who lives and believes in me shall live even if he dies. Thank you for that truth. Father, I pray that you would drive this point home to these young people. Let it change their lives. Let them encourage others through these passages. In the name of Jesus. Amen.